Welcome into episode 34 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by my good friend Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, how you doing, man? Doing good. I'm your good friend this week. That's an upgrade from the usual uh, podcast beginning. I'm moving it's on funny. the world. It's funny that I did that. Just I, I feel like multiple times on Twitter recently, like when we were going to the volleyball game, I think I was like, oh, I'm going to be there with my good friend Christian Simmons. And then I feel like I call you my good friend like publicly a lot. So I just figured to sue for the podcast. And I don't think I've ever referred to any form of relationship with you. I think I'm always just in my tweets like here with Bailey Adams. Yeah, probably. But I, it kind of reflects our personalities. I feel like. I mean, it's just. I feel like that's that's more. I, I'm not like we we talk about this like with our uh, our friend Evan Abramson, who we founded Night Sports Now with back in the day, who's now a TV anchor in the great state of Illinois. Like he, everybody he meets, like every social media post, it's like my this great person or like my best friend <laughs> that I've known for four minutes, and I'm always just like, this is Bailey. Like, yeah, you know, that's just kind of my vibe. Yeah, I mean, well, you didn't like me when you first met me either, so I guess maybe, I, stand you. Yeah. maybe I haven't graduated to being your good friend. I don't know. It's been like uh, you, four or five years, but... Once you hit, like, your five, well, uh, are you at your five? When did I meet you? Honestly, I have no idea. 2017, right? Early No, it was, like, it was like fall of 16. Well, we met in 16, but I'm saying we actually became, like... We oh, we became, like, friends, became like, friends. spring of 17. Yeah. Yeah. So, so welcome in Pegasus podcast listeners here for big 12 news. Instead, we're just going to recount my, uh, we're, yeah, we're talking Bailey. about our personal history together. Yeah. I so what were your thoughts people, on mass comm law? That's a mess. This is what, what the people, your, what oh my goodness, list? don't even get me started. <laughs> but <laughs> as Christian alluded to there, we, uh, for this podcast, the, the big topic we're talking about is UCF to the big 12, not just UCF, but that's what we're here to talk about is UCF to the big 12, as well as everything around it. And um, we'll just, we'll get right in because we kind of, briefly hinted at it in our like 3 a.m. podcast after the UCF Boise State game um, on Thursday well Friday morning I guess it would have been and we, we said yeah we'll get to it and it was it was that day I mean I, I always rely on you for like the the recap of the, the events and everything but it was that day that things started to kind of say okay the, the Big 12 is set on UCF BYU Cincinnati and Houston and from there like it's rapidly sped up and I think even by Friday morning they were like well, the four of them are going to ap- apply, put their applications in next week. And then uh, they have the votes already. They have the votes to approve expansion already. And that should happen on Friday. So just go ahead and take us through filling all the other details of it. Um, yeah, well, literally, just as we're hopping on here, uh, Brandon Helwig uh, rivals broke it first that UCF just sent in their official letter to the Big 12, which is all, it's all a formality like UCF's in. It's on Friday. It's going to all get announced. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, um, you know, it's going to get announced tomorrow for you. If you're listening to this on Friday, let us know how the press conference went. Um, but yeah, it's this has been like a crazy timeline to me because the tech in Oklahoma, the news of them leaving for the SEC broke six weeks ago. Wow. Like the last realignment wave took like three years to sort out, like literally three years. And this one took six weeks, which there's still a lot because now the group of five is going to figure out what it's going to do. But for the first time, everyone have to care about that. Um, I, so basically like this whole process once once it became clear that the big 12 was going to stick together which i said this whole time was the most likely outcome even as aresco was like we're going to raid the big 12 and all that crap um that really came from the alliance forming of the big 12 or the big 10 the pac 12 and the acc because that basically was those three conferences saying we're standing pat we're not doing anything here which meant the big eight at that point were stuck together and it seemed like we never knew for sure what the timeline would be or who would get added we knew they were going to add teams UCF was never not in that mix. Like, I don't think there was ever a point where UCF was not going to get added. Um, Now, the four teams they ended up picking, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, not the case for Houston. Houston looked screwed for a while because they have a really bad political relationship with the Big 12, but they overcame that. And yeah, now we're just basically at the point where those are the four teams getting picked. Everything that I've read, it sounds like BYU was the runaway choice. Like, BYU was first up. And then it sounds like Cincinnati and UCF was more or less a tie. Not that surprising. And then Houston was the last team there. So they're going to get invited on Friday. They're going to join 2023, apparently. So we got this year and one more year in the American Athletic Conference. And then UCF is a Power 5 team, which is, I've been saying and tweeting that for a few days now, and it still just sounds weird when I say it. And I've, I think I told you over text that like, I'm, I've been celebrating it pretty privately. I have like tweeted about it a little bit, but also um, I think just the fact that it's, I don't know. I'm waiting for it to be, it's official, official, but I'm waiting for it to be official, official. Like once the application's in, the vote's done, it's announced formally. That's kind of when I want to be like, full. it's probably fully going to hit me. 
Because right now yeah. I'm just like, what what could go wrong? Like I don't know. Which, and that, that and doesn't I, seem like anything will, but but it's funny just how much things have changed because one of our big debates that Night Nation had over the last couple months was, oh well, will the Big Twelve be any better than the AAC is currently? <laughs> And the answer the whole time was yes, as I've said on this podcast, that was stupid to want to keep playing East Carolina and Temple every year instead of Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, but I just want to point out a couple of things that are really encouraging for UCF is the first off is that all indications are that the Big 12 is going to maintain its autonomy five status, which is part of the NCAA governance. It means that they're going to get a lot of playoff money. It means they're going to they're going to basically, for all intents and purposes, be considered one of the five top conferences. The other thing I want to talk about is money, because that's what it, that like at the end of the day, that's what the difference between a power conference and not a power conference. People try to tell you it's on the field. It's not. It's just how much money you get for being in that conference. Um, so originally, remember, everyone like people tried tweeted us tweet at me a lot because i got a lot of fights with ucf fans oh you know the aac tv deal will be worth more than the big 12 leftovers no just like not even remotely in the same ballpark but even at the time we were looking at the big 12 was afraid that its tv deal could fall to as low as like 10 million again still more than the aac still more in the aac but everything that's been reported this has come from sports illustrated yahoo and the athletic is that UCF year one in 2023, when they get in, them and the other expansion teams are going to be getting 18 to 19 million a year. <laughs> a that, that's more, pretty sweet. They get now. For context, the AAC gave UCF $5 million last year. And the Big 12 believes the new TV deal, because that's under the old one. That's the other thing is Texas, Oklahoma might overlap with UCF for a year or two. That'd be fine. I'm skeptical that happens. <laughs> I think that once the Big 12 adds these teams, Texas and Oklahoma are going to just, they'll figure something out. Um, but the Big 12 now believes, and when we report the Big 12 believes, that means the Big 12 was told by the TV providers that their new deal after Texas and Oklahoma leave will be worth 20 to 25 million a year per team. So as much as quintuple what UCF makes now, <laughs> it's going to be a pay cut for the Big 8 because they're making about 35 million now, but it's going to be extraordinarily more for UCF and the expansion teams. And I just want to point out that at this point, Let's take away the AAC TV deal for a second because that is not going to stay at five to seven million a year with all of their brands gone. Sorry, USF, that's unfortunate for you guys. Um, good luck building a stadium on 500K a year. But uh, you look at the discrepancy at that point. So you've got, yes, the Big 12 will be the poorest of the power conferences. The, AC, the ACC and the Pac-12 making the 30 million range. Big 10's 40 million. SEC, once they add Texas and Oklahoma, is going to be like 50 or 60. And so they're going to be the poorest, but then you compare them to the next richest conference will probably be the Mountain West making like 1.5 to 2 million a year. So that, like the gap between Power 5 and Group of 5 is actually never going to be bigger, which is sad, but it's not our problem anymore uh, for the first time. So is, it's yeah. going to be on the rich side of the divide for literally the first time in its 40 plus year history. That's why, and it's, it's funny how like quickly we just have to be like, oh, we don't have to care about that anymore. Because like for the longest time, like the UCF has been on that, the, the wrong side of it and have been just trying to like fight for this you know fight for this exactly what they're getting right now and kind of fight for a little bit less of the divide between power five and group of five and then now it's just like yeah that that gap is getting a little wider and we're kind of helping it get wider and it's just like we don't really care yeah you don't have to and, care <clears throat> and sorry i choked on water while you were talking i had to meet myself i was trying not to laugh um <laughs> i literally i couldn't even hide it i tried it i'm looking at my face and my camera and i'm just like hacking away i that does make me sad, to be honest, because like, and I hope that UCF fans don't become that fan base where we forget our roots here and suddenly oh, they we're will. talking about how all the, oh, I know will. they will. I know they will. It's already happening. Yeah. There are people tweeting like, oh, UCF's going to really like have to up the, up the recruiting these next couple of years to be able to compete in the Big 12. Like UCF fans are saying that. I'm like, how did you switch from put us in the playoff to we need more recruits to play against Baylor? Right. I don't know how that happened. But um, there's like, that's another interesting thing, maybe for another podcast we'll see if we get to on this one i did look up the performance difference between the other teams that have moved from group of five to power five this century and i thought it was interesting but all that aside i it, it does suck for the sport that the divide's getting worse and i'm not gonna like now not care about the group of five I, there's like there is good football everywhere in the country it doesn't matter conference affiliation and i hope that it's going to be delayed obviously but this 12 team playoff it sounds like it's still coming just later probably 2025 or 2026 if they stick to the format of six conference champs that does mean there will be group of five representation in the playoff even though that no longer means UCF I still think that's huge that's yeah. another thing I want to say concerning UCF though is that through until they change the playoff the Big 12 maintains its sugar bowl bid and its other bowl bids so Texas and Oklahoma can go independent if they want it doesn't matter if UCF wins the Big 12 they're still going to the sugar bowl um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so just, it, it, it's a power conference. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. It is, it across is a power the conference. board across the board. I, mean, I, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but across the board, their bowl tie-ins. And I know we've talked 
at length in the past about how like once you get past those new year six bowls like the bowls don't really they aren't different at all but it's more based off of name yeah, opponent and then just like the name of the bowl like i don't know it just feels like there's going to be more more interesting bowls more interesting opponents more interesting like more historic um you know, bowl, I guess just bowl tie-ins. Then well, I think what, that's the big thing is like, because every UCF, we talk about this on past podcasts, like yeah. apparently every UCF fan measures the season on, oh yeah, we went 11 and two, but we played Marshall. So we, we weren't, we aren't yeah. happy. That won't be like the case anymore. Well, UCF should be playing other power five teams for the most part in these bowl games. Um, I, the other thing I wanted to throw out here, because, and like I said, it, it, there's going to be an adjustment period. Like people are going to like, okay, I'm trying to organize my thoughts. One thing I do think that is going to change is right now, like we look at college football, everybody very much as power five and group of five. I do think that's going to change in a little bit in this new era. And I don't mean that's necessarily bad for UCF. Like obviously it's great to just be considered a power conference, but I think we're moving more into an era where there is, it's not that it's more, it's less, it's more gray and less black and white. Like, I think we're just, I don't know if that, I don't know if the term power five is going to be used as much anymore going forward, because I think the SEC and the big 10 are just like, have really separated themselves. And that's the narrative that's caught on. And then there's a middle class of the ACC, Pac-12 and Big 12. And then there's the group of five. Um, But again, you're still, you you still have a seat at the table in the Big 12. And Mm -hmm. in a four team or 12 team model, that's a conference whose teams are going to be considered. So I want to give you real quick, Billy, I want to get your reaction to what UCF's division will likely look like. Cause now we got to talk about this stuff. Oh, that's that. Ah, we'll get there. I'm, 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 this is like we've talked about before on podcasts. I love this stuff. Like I yeah. live for like this type <laughs> of stuff. So I have like I, my brain is like fireworks right now. And I'm trying to focus. Okay. So we don't know what UCF's division will be for sure, but this is the most likely one because people are talking about they're going to do like a North and South or something. This is the one I've seen like actually reported by journalists. So this is the one I'm rolling with, which, you know, subject change, but whatever. So it looks like UCF's division could be UCF, Cincinnati, Iowa State, West Virginia, Kansas and Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is the only Kansas is what like the the temple of that division. Maybe the equivalent. I would no, say no, UConn. No. To be honest with you, well, yeah, that's fair. Because I say at least Temple has been decent in recent years. Kansas just is not. I but... like. I think that's a really advantageous division. I think that's basically just going to be UCF and Cincinnati trading off most years for the crown. I know Iowa State's really good right now. Yeah. I'm. I'm skeptical of how sustainable that is um i think only, kansas and kansas state and west virginia are beatable in a given year pretty much every year i'm skeptical about it just because it depends on i think a lot of it depends on the future of their coach matt campbell right because he's i think he's a really good coach but there's also he's been rumored for other jobs yeah, elsewhere yeah even. but and i know he's a really good coach and and we'll and he seems like he really wants to stay i don't know if that changes now that he probably won't be able to get the you know the raises he might like down the road but I feel like you could be a really good coach in Iowa state, still Iowa state. Like that is just not an easy place to get good players to. And I don't know if you can maintain, like, I think, I think they're the type of team, like maybe like a Wisconsin who can like every few years field a really, really good team, but I don't think you can maintain that year in and year out. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think it's something where Wisconsin's an interesting one because I think even at their worst, Wisconsin's what, like seven, eight wins. Yeah, that feels like their MO. Like they'll so, pop off for like an 11 or 12 win season yeah. and then there'll be some eight and five years sprinkled in there. So, I'm I mean, not saying Iowa, Iowa State's State, bad. I don't right. think Iowa State's going to like not be going to bowls or anything, but I'm not, but like right now where they're a top 10 team, like I don't think that's a yearly yeah. thing for them. And so then with that division, the other side, I'm just off the top of my head thinking there's BYU, Houston, um, BYU, TCU, Houston, TCU, Baylor, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma okay. State. Yeah, I think avoiding, avoiding a division with Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, like I think that's got to help. That's the much tougher division. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that one's tough. I mean, this, I mean, like I'm saying, I mean, you look at, I feel like that's almost dumb to say because you look at UCF's division and right now there are two teams in the top 10 in that division. Yeah. But, but this is kind of what I'm talking about. I mean, this is the difference between the AAC and this is, this is just like basically every team is capable of success. Like it's a really solid, except for conference. Kansas, except for Kansas. But, you know, they actually have a good coach. So we'll see. Um, I'm just kidding. Their ceiling is six and six, and that's if everything goes perfect. But, I, another thing I'm curious about is because, and it's not surprising, the national perspective kind of seems to be right now that like of those four, Cincinnati will have the most success. And I'm not surprised or offended by that because Cincinnati's the best of those four right now. So that's just naturally the way it's going to go. But I personally think that UCF is set up of the four coming in way better than the other, the other three. Yeah. The only one that, that it competes with them is BYU. The problem of Cincinnati and Houston is both Cincinnati and Houston, and I'm going to sound really like harsh and I'm sorry. And this isn't like my opinion. It's just true. Are both at the moment more or less afterthoughts in their own cities. 
And yeah. I mean, I mean, Cincinnati, the state, the city of Cincinnati is still Ohio state territory. And I hope that's changing, but it hasn't right now. They've got a lot of pro sports to compete with. They've got an NFL team. Houston also has an NFL team. Houston's pretty much A&M territory with some Texas mixed in there. They're not that Houston is not. And then you go to Orlando. Like I know the Orlando's hometown team thing is like the UCF catchphrase, but Orlando truly is like owned by UCF. There's no, there's only one major pro sports team in the market. It's growing. It's young. There's UCF alumni freaking everywhere. I mean, UCF is the only one of those that owns its city. And UCF is also in the middle of like great, great recruiting territory. And I know Houston is too, but I think it makes a difference when you're a brand in that territory and UCF is. Yeah. UCF is a brand in the territory and yes, they're competing with they're, you know, I think they're, they're going to have a, a chance to compete with Florida state and Florida a little bit more than in Miami too, with the in the recruiting base over here. But when you also look at Houston and Texas, not only are they competing with a bunch of other Texas schools, but they're com- competing with a bunch of other Texas schools in their own conference. Yeah. That, so, that for, which for the record, I conferences are so all over the place. Now I know UCF is going to be a little bit on an Island here out down in Florida, yeah. but like, I really like that. There's a ton of Texas schools in one conference. I think that's going to be like, I think, I just think it's, I just think it's going to be a fun league. Yeah. And I do too. now for the record, and I've, I've been poking fun at Houston on Twitter. I, Houston just has not been good on the field for years mm-hmm. now. Um, really, their Peach Bowl season was their last good year, which is shocking. Well, um, but they're yeah, still the right choice. Just, then they just lost to Texas Tech, which is like a future conference game. Yeah, you know, I don't think Dana Holgerson's going to ever see a Big 12 conference game. Um, Tough. Which, What's, well, he West Virginia, but he's not going to see another one. Right. Um, there, I, I don't know. What, I don't which know would be a shame because, it would, because Houston, West Virginia would be fun for that reason. Yeah, but you know, he, did you I, see like I guess when he left, I didn't remember this, but when he left West Virginia, he was like, Oh, it was an easy choice to leave and go to Houston. And so no, it was really weird to them because we've also never seen that like a sitting right. power five head coach quit to go to and to go to a group of five job. That was yeah. really weird at the time. I do think Houston, if I'm gonna be honest with you, like if I'm predicting things out like five, ten years, I think Houston's gonna do a great job of like being the new Texas where they're going to have like all the money and all the resources and then be eight and five every year. That's my projection for Houston. We'll see if I'm yeah. wrong. What's um, interesting is, is you bringing up like, will Dana Holgerson ever see a big 12 game as Houston's coach? Will Luke Fickle ever see one as Cincinnati's coach? So I'm so curious what Fickle does now. Cause I yeah. feel like we've all been waiting for him to leave, but I don't know if he does now. I kind of wonder with Fickle, if he like, I feel like there are very few jobs he would leave for. Yeah. Like I feel like he'd leave for Ohio state um which is that job is just not gonna yeah. be open for a couple decades unless ryan day is like i want to go to the nfl and there's been no indication of that notre dame i think he'd leave for notre dame i don't remember where um, i saw it but i saw a theory that he could he's an ohio state guy but i saw a theory that he could go to michigan yeah before, um, yeah no i think that could totally happen the interest that could totally happen yeah, and so, I think that Michigan job is going to be open pretty soon. What made me think about this was you saying, like, everybody is, is thinking right now that Cincinnati and BYU are going to be the two that are, like, the most successful out of the four uh, expansion teams because right now they're, like, they're currently the best. But I was just curious, like, what's what's Cincinnati going to look like by the time we get to 2023? Because, obviously, this is Desmond Ritter's last year. And I'm sure, you know, they're recruiting well. Luke Fickle's a good coach. But if Luke Fickle leaves, like, where does, where does that leave them? You know, who do they hire? Well, do they get the hire right? Is the recruiting still going to keep up? Are they going to be able to replace Desmond Ritter? And all that kind of stuff. You're gonna, they're going to lose a bunch of – Not hard to replace Desmond Ritter. Right. But the, one of the main things that the Big 12 looked at for adding teams, like one of the number one things they looked at was teams that had had football success under multiple head coaches. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted programs that aren't like what you described, like one and dones or like or like Matt Campbell at Iowa State, like you know, like programs that you lose the coach and you fall up. Cincinnati's had a lot of success, yeah, under lots of different head coaches, except Tuberville. And I don't, so I, I, I think Cincinnati, even if they lose Fickle, I think they'll be fine. Um, one thing I didn't realize actually, I was listening to the College Football Inquirer podcast with like Pete Thamel and Pat Forty and all of them, because um, Pete Thamel in particular has been breaking a lot of the stuff yeah and i didn't realize i don't know much about like facilities for certain teams and i didn't realize i guess cincinnati's facilities really aren't good and thamble described them as like they having a mac vibe which is not mm. the way you'd want your facility I, I guess they don't have any kind of football building they have all their athletics just kind of crammed into one office space and i guess that's been fickle's big thing is he really wants them to build a football building and they can do that with their big 12 money but like they don't have like a plan. Like they haven't like archi- gotten architects involved or fundraised. It's right. just like, we know we got to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. Kind of how USF treats their stadium plan. And um, <laughs> Which they're going to do right now, apparently. Apparently they just declared. Yeah, it's amazing how much you want a stadium once your rival goes to the power five. 
But like I like UCF, that's the other place UCF has an advantage is UCF already has a facilities plan that's like mapped out and they just need to build it. And even if they don't the get to it tomorrow, the facilities are pretty freaking good right now. Yeah. So they can go in and already have really nice facilities. And I'm telling you, half the difference between power five facilities and group five facilities is like power five facilities have like giant backlit logos hanging from their locker rooms. So I'm sure we can get one of those <laughs> with like a million bucks. Yeah. But no, UCF's going in, UCF's going in a really good situation. Really good situation. It's just, and it's so interesting because also what, what's funny to me thinking about this earlier was like, it's a good thing that UCF and especially UCF fans are used to being like the most hated in the AAC because now over the last two years of the, like of UCF being in the AAC, you know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago with like how interesting these, this year and maybe next year will be with Oklahoma and Texas playing in the big 12, those games now with UCF and Cincinnati, I guess Houston too, but they're not very good but with UCF and Cincinnati, like, that everybody's going to be taking their taking their shots their best shots at them while they're still in the conference and it'll be uh it'll definitely i think make for some fun games yeah i think so too because like i I feel bad for most of the aac teams that are being left specifically i feel bad for seven of the eight of them um but you know because i don't know where they go from here like there is like it's kind of it's it's at a different level. It's kind of the same problem that the Big Twelve had with the with the Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Is like who do you add that even comes close to, or even has the potential to come close to what you're losing with Cincinnati and UCF and Houston? Because at this point, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you're going lower than the AAC to try to say, all right, who's going to come help us out? Like you you more want to rely on like conf- or teams within your conference already. Like you need Memphis, you need USF to step up and be a more of a brand and be more consistent. And then, yeah, you can add in some of the lower, like some someone from, I don't know from where, um, but you can add some teams and then maybe those teams have the potential to kind of get to like the middle tier, but you're going to need, AAC is going to need Memphis and I don't know, McTulane. I don't know, I don't know who else they're going to need to step See, up. See, I think be. you need to add teams that can be brands. Like, I don't think you like can just who, backfill. I think their best bet, and I don't even know if it's possible, would be just go, I mean, go to raid the Mountain West, go grab Boise and San Diego State and maybe like Colorado State or Air Force. But they I feel could, like yeah. at this point, I feel like at this point, the Mountain West, does, they're going to stand, they're going to stay together because they're like, yeah. we, I feel like the Mountain West is probably going to be considered the best group of five conference now. So they probably is, don't have a motivation. You could go for like App State, maybe App State or like Louisiana. I've seen a, so the Georgia ones that State. are, the ones that have actually been talked about that the, like, as far as reports, the AAC is interested in is FAU, um, UAB. For some reason, I've seen Old Dominion in a few places. Yeah, I have to. Why? I don't know what that's about, but I like. I don't know. I I I spent a little bit of time covering FAU, and by a little bit of time, I mean literally two weeks um, when I had an internship in South Florida. But like, I like FAU because a lot of people refer to FAU as like, oh, they're UCF, but twenty years back. Like, there is I, I there isn't really a fan base there from what I've seen. And what UCF always had, even before they built the on-campus stadium, was a really solid fan base. So mm-hmm. I, that's a big part of it. Um, so I don't know if FAU can become a version of UCF. I mean, when you're in Florida, I don't think you ever have an excuse to be bad. Right. But, you know, so I don't know what the AAC is going to do. But frankly, it's not our problem anymore. Um, that is true. So I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a super fun conference. I think it's really cool, especially for basketball, because now UCF can go like 15 and 15 and make the tournament. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's, um, what, that's what's also interesting. And it's obviously because football is is what is most covered and it's what's most talked about. And that's where all this is based around. But like for the other sports, it'll be, it'll definitely just be more interesting. Cause I think I'm worried for the other sports, to be honest with you. Are you? Yeah. Because like, I'm looking at like men's soccer, like men's soccer apparently is doing the same thing they did last year. They just suck to start the season. I'm just kind of like, and it's the same thing with volleyball. I'm just, I'm realizing there are a lot of UCF sports that are really, really good in the AEC and then don't win their non-conference games. Not all of them, not like, not all like women's soccer has had a few big wins already started this year, but a lot of them, it does seem like that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. And that's, that's what I wonder, too, is, like, how getting into the Big 12 and all that will impact revenues and what, how, how they'll allocate money to other sports, how much they'll put. And apparently, because Mohajer really wants the soccer programs to be, like, top tier. so Which I think outside of football, I think even ahead of basketball, the soccer teams have the most. I think soccer teams could be really good. Yeah, the most upside. Yeah. Um, but man, isn't it hilarious in hindsight? We were all like, like, like a couple weeks ago, we we're like, wow, that's crazy how Mahadra's handing out all these long-term contracts. And now it's like, ha. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you don't, like, get, you don't that, get big 12 money until 2027. No, that's the thing that's, um, that's funny too, is like, not funny, but I think is interesting is because when you do start to, when, when you start big 12 play in a few, in a couple of years with these other sports, like you do have some very good coaches in place. Like you're in a good spot there. Oh, yeah. in a lot and of so, 
I mean, I wonder how that's, I mean, obviously there's gonna be a kind of a trickle down effect with recruiting with all that. So yeah, while right now it's like, it's kind of tough to watch some of UCS teams play non-conference games and lose and then dominate in the AAC be like, Oh, they're really good. And then they'll lose like the first round of the tournament that all has the, the, possibility of course to change with with different recruiting with i also speaking of recruiting i just want to say that's a like for all you know obviously before we knew any of this stuff was happening malzahn was getting ucf to recruit at a higher level Mm -hmm. i can tell you right now ucf's coaching staff and malzahn you know they cannot wait till friday when they can start telling these kids uh your your sophomore year we're going to be in the big 12 because for all the brand stuff ucf has done which they've done a great job and it's showing i mean ucf's in the 40s right now for recruiting class um so many kids it's still just like power five yeah. i'm a power five i'm a power five player i don't play in the power five and now ucf can say that's where you're going and that's got like i think ucf like i don't mean to like go crazy here but like i was looking i think i sent it to you i was looking at tcu's classes back when tc was in the mountain west they like they averaged they did better than ucf does they averaged like classes in like the mid 40s most of the time and then they got invited to join the big east in a couple of years and mm-hmm. you know the big east became the ac but this was back and it was still the big east and like their first season when they're still in the mount west because it was a couple years away after being invited they had like the 20th recruiting class like it was an yeah. instant jump and i think that could be ucf too well, I mean, because if we talk about it, UCF's already getting four and five, like four, against some uh, commitments from four stars. They're getting five stars on campus already. Yep. And we talked when the whole playoff expansion thing was was going on. Um, we talked about how that can affect recruiting, how that they can sell them, hey, like we're going to be a playoff team. Like that's that's what this is. And now they can say we're going to be in the Big Twelve and this expanded playoffs coming. Like there's, I just don't know. Like I think we're going to see an insane rise. And like, there's no reason for UCS recruiting not to take off to the next level. Because the other thing is when you look at like people, some people, mainly USF fans are like, oh, it's not a power conference anymore. And, it's, and you know, whatever. I don't, I don't think there's a recruit out there who like, I understood the issue for four stars when teams are telling them come play these guys. And you're like, well, what if instead we played East Carolina every year? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Who doesn't love a visit to green, whatever, whatever the hell Greenville. Sure. But now like, if UCF's like talent player, it's like, come here and we're going to be playing, you know, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, it's going to be fun. If like some other school is like, oh yeah, well, why don't you come here? You'll be playing Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia. Like, it's yeah. not, like there's no advantage there anymore for their power right. five conferences. Like the SEC and the Big Ten, sure. The SEC and the Big Ten are still top. But like outside of that, no, 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 no recruit is like, ew, I don't want to play Oklahoma State. I want to go play Arizona. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing, so. Yeah, no, it's it's such a step up. And it was just funny to think like there was a time when there were, I think they might have been a minority, but it was kind of a loud minority of UCF fans that were saying like, oh, I don't know if, if UCF gets invited, I don't know if they should go. I was freaking fighting with people and on I Twitter like, saying, I think we should stick with the AAC. And I'm just like, I don't mean to be mean because I love you guys. Like, I love my Twitter followers, even the ones who don't love me. Like, you're all great. But like, guys, no like i i just i never understood that take and for then the a money, lot of people for the money alone like that's the money alone was what even when it was like 10 million it's like great that's double what ucf gets now like yeah. why would you not do that and then i just i'm glad that i finally got because like i feel like some people like like i was arguing with a lot of people on like oh well you know the big 12 is gonna collapse and then we're gonna be stranded and i'm like no it's not it's not gonna collapse they have nowhere to go and then people will be like well that's your opinion I'm like it's not i'm telling you what's been reported i don't just sit here and like think like i'm like hmm what do I think the big 12 is going to do? It's <laughs> like, even, it, it, even if it did like what, what by, by UCS going to be stranded, like you, you don't think any other conference is going to pick them up. You don't think they could just stay as an independent. I don't, it I don't was know. Such like, a stupid, I'm not even touching out. Cause it's like, it's, it yeah. was such a hypothetical. It's not even true, but I do want to add one other thing. This big 12 thing before then yeah. we move on to some other stuff. Um, There have been multiple reports that, and this listen up bulls fans that are definitely not listening to this podcast. Um, the Big 12 is thinking that they might add two more teams around the time they get their new TV contract. Like they, they're going to put these teams in UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU in 2023. We'll see when Texas and Oklahoma leave. 23 and 24 and probably 25 will be those teams establish themselves. And then there will be one final window where the Big 12 might, emphasis on might, add two more teams. And what I saw was that it seems like the team that missed out, the fifth team, the, the runner up was USF. So USF, I know you're listening, uh, administration that runs that school. Um, you were the runner-up to get into the Big 12 while your football program was horrible. You have no fan base and you have no facilities. Imagine if you actually did something in the next three years. Like, like just imagine. Do something. Like you, don't, you don't have to do a lot. Yeah, hashtag do something. You don't have to do a lot. Like, just like go to a bowl game. 
go to a bowl game or like build a locker room, you know, well, they built the locker room, build an indoor practice facility, <laughs> even broke like ground or whatever today. Was it, broke, was it broke today ground, they broke ground? Right. Yeah, they broke ground, which I, I like. They couldn't even celebrate that long enough before they were just like, all right, now it's time to build an on-campus stadium. I think they're literally just doing that just to like make sure the fan base is oh, like. Oh, they did because it was, no, okay. there, it wasn't like he, we have plans to build on-campus no, stadium. Yeah. It was literally one board of trustee like, member time. going, it's time for us to build a stadium. It's like, buddy, it was time in 2003. But glad that you figured that out. But either way, I, I'm UCF fans are not going to like this. Um, I would totally be in favor of USF joining the Big 12. And I think by 2025, you might be too. Because at that point, UCF will have had no travel partner for a few years in any sport. And that's probably going to have gotten annoying. And also, let's remember, fans, if we get to the point where UCF is trying to block USF from joining the Big 12, remember what happened to USF when they did that to UCF. Just keep that in mind. Just some, something to think on. How the turntables. Ah, uh, how the turntables. It would just, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, if, if we talked about this in the past, I think we had that podcast where we talked about, like, does UCF need the, need U- USF. Need the USF rivalry? And we just talked about how if USF was better, like just the 2017 game showed us what that rivalry could be. And if, if they can get back to a point where they're actually competitive and the war on I-4 is under the Big 12 umbrella, like that's that's even – that makes it yeah, even bigger. Yeah, that 2017, that game got like 4 million-plus viewers, which is difficult. And it was an AAC game. If that's a Big 12 game, that could be like one of the premier rivalries of college football. Last and thing, I know we yeah. don't like USF. I don't like USF either. But like at some point, you got to give way to common sense. That's what USF didn't do in the mid-2000s, and it cost them and UCF a, group, a power five spot at the time. Last thing on USF and last thing on the Big 12 stuff. But in the, in the meantime, it, before you know, we get to the – if they might expand and add two more teams, you, you, UCF probably still going to schedule USF, right? Like you would think. Well, No. Oh, because USF um, doesn't have any openings, right? Yeah, I think UCF would love to. I, I mean, I would. I forgot, I forgot I, and most UCF fans, I think, would be for that. But USF is fully scheduled through like 2029. So unless USF is going to get out of these contracts, which I don't think they can, unless without paying a lot of money, I don't think I don't think can they don't have. The only the only way it would work is if USF starts playing UCF instead of an FCS, and that's suicide. So I just I don't I think it's going to take a pause. And you, and you know what? That freaking sucks. I don't like that. Yeah. No, I don't either. Because I, I like every other year having that road game, quote unquote, where you go two hours away or an hour and a half away and UCF plays. And That's the one thing is I've like UCF's out of conference games like need to be exclusively Florida teams now because this is so yeah. much travel, which it's I think they can do. It's, it sounds like even though it's only going to be 12 teams, I saw a report that the Big 12 is probably going to stick with nine conference games. So mm-hmm. that, that's going to alleviate some of the scheduling issues UCF's dealing with right now. It's all it's all so exciting. It's all like just the fact that so 2023 is when this is expected to be, you know, UCS first season in the Big 12, which it's not very far away. No, that's this season and next season. Then they're in. Yeah. And you know what sucks for the AAC is I think there's like an 85 to 90 percent chance that the final two AAC conference titles are claimed by teams that are leaving. I would. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I mean, SMU is the only one that could probably. Yeah, because Cincinnati like Cincinnati's the favorite this year, and I would definitely – I would be very surprised if UCF wasn't the favorite going into next year, especially if Dylan Gabriel comes back. Yeah. So, so sorry about that. Crazy, AAC. crazy, crazy times. It, it, yeah. It's honestly – it's hard to not get a little emotional about because obviously my dad went to UCF before I did. I went to UCF. It's been a long time coming, and this has been kind of the thing that it's always felt like UCF was building towards, and it's yeah. crazy that it's here. Friday is going to be a very, very fun day. I can't yeah. wait. Very, very exciting. Um, but <laughs> speaking of currently this season, week one happened. Yeah, it did. And there was a, you know, I enjoyed it. But Why are you saying that like that's a surprise that you enjoyed it? No, no, I enjoyed it. But what I was the next thing is going to be the part I was surprised about. But a lot of games disappointed. A lot of games disappointed. Like it was just, I, I don't know. Weekend. No, yeah, I had a good weekend because it was college football was on. But like I expected Georgia Clemson to be like, just oh, I knew that game was so much suck. fun. You expect to be 10 to three with no offensive touchdowns. Okay. That's a lie. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Bad. I thought that was um, going to be a fun no, game. No, that game was horrible. That game was like actually awful. There were other games that weren't close that I still enjoyed. Like UCLA LSU was fun. Yeah. Um, Alabama Miami was really fun. I enjoyed a lot of that. Game. I didn't even get to watch any of that game, but I just, I don't know. Didn't really feel the need to. I knew it was, was, it was good. It, well, I was just, I was just curious how Alabama was going to look more than anything. I mean, I knew Miami yeah. was going to lose by 30, but you know, brush on real deal. <laughs> No, I had a really fun weekend. Um, I so I'm gonna be on. I, I don't even think he listens to the podcast, but you might know Jeremy Tashe. Um, big on UCF Twitter. Um, he tweeted the morning of the FSU game, 
which obviously if you're listening to this, you probably know that Mackenzie Milton made his return to the field. Big deal. Um, he tweeted, I think I'm more nervous for the FSU game tonight than I was for the Boise game. And I read that and I was like, that's just ridiculous. Like, that's a ridiculous statement. Are you kidding me? And I'm going to be honest with you, when Mackenzie Milton tried out onto the field, I don't think my heart has ever raced like that for a sporting event. Like, I was terrified every second Mackenzie Milton was on the field. It was <laughs> it was funny. So um, I was actually there. I was, at, I was in Tallahassee for that game and just was waiting for him to go into the end of the game like the entire night. Um, and there was one time, I think there was one point where he came out onto the field and we couldn't see Jordan Travis like in the huddle. So we're like, okay, I think like, I think this is the moment. And even just like me thinking he was about to come in like butterflies instantly. Like I was like was super crazy. nervous, super nervous instantly. And then he didn't even come in. Like he went back to the sideline and Travis came running in. And I can't believe it was a, a helmet. Travis's helmet coming off is the only reason Milton got in the game. I, I told, so I was with, with my best friend and um, his stepdad. And I told my friend in like the first quarter, I saw it was the first quarter. I said, someone and I wasn't even like in a violent way or anything I was just like I think Travis needs to get his helmet knocked off like I literally said like someone needs to knock his helmet off so Milton can get in the game and it took two quarters for that or three quarters for that to happen but it actually happened and that's and it the, made it even more inexplicable because I'm not saying that like I'm obviously Milton played really well that's the you know that was amazing to see he looked really good. He didn't look as mobile as he did pre-injury, but he looked just as sharp and just mm-hmm. as much of a game leader and just as much as a ball, just as much of a baller. I mean, he came in and almost yeah. led them back against Notre Dame, but it wasn't just that Travis was playing. Okay. Travis was awful. He threw three picks, three picks, 21, three three, picks. 21 points. Those three picks turned into 21 points for Notre Dame. I mean, and then Milton comes in and, and uh, so I do want to preface this with it's come out since, and it's not necessarily surprised they've been out there a little bit that, Milton's in Milton's leg does cause him issues on a week to week basis. He did miss some of fall camp because he gets what I read was that he gets um, some numbness in his foot in particular, just from the nerve damage there. So that affects what I saw was it affects how FSU can game plan with him because they're afraid to game plan for a guy that they don't know if he's going to be available. So I get that. But when they, when Jordan Travis, uh, clearly he was ready that night. I mean, he was on the sideline throwing the ball constantly had Had his his helmet on like most of the game. And when Travis is just struggling and struggling, it's like, why are you not making a change? Like, it was baffling to me. And then Milton comes in and does what literally every UCF fan on God's green earth knew Milton was going to do. Like, there was no, like, oh, man, what if he can't perform against Notre Dame? It was a court. Yeah. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks. He, he's the best player in UCF's history. One of the best quarterbacks in the last decade, maybe longer. Of course he was going to go ball out. I mean, I, he needs to be a way bigger part of things going forward. Like, this can't be a thing where he's just on standby until Travis gets his helmet knocked what, off. And Travis is going to have three picks every game. What was so frustrating to me, too, is that, like, I, you could tell, like, there was something wrong because – Travis was not playing the greatest. He had a couple good throws, a couple good plays. Like he, I'm not saying he's bad, not, not by any stretch, but he was not playing very well. And obviously FSU's coaching staff took notice of that. And then on some of the bigger downs, we're starting to go wildcat. And I was like, why are you even, why, that why was, go wildcat when you've and, got, and also I got to say, you to put go. up a whole, you put up a whole thread on this. But yeah. If, like, you, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I don't like Mike Norvell anymore. Yeah, which is unfortunate because you liked him for some reason when he was, I really did. I understood that. And he was whatever. He's a coach. Um, not for my team, so I don't care. Um, like he really wouldn't, I was impressed that when Milton came in, he let Milton sling it right away. That was the one pretty much run the offense. The only Um, bit of credit I'll give him is that, but I'm realizing in hindsight, I think it's because at that point the game seems lost and then Milton (laughs) makes it close. And then suddenly they get to overtime and Norvell was like, Nope. And he just clearly did not trust Milton in overtime. I mean, the play calling was garbage. He's seen seen what Milton does to his teams in the past. So I don't know. It was even the little things like that horrible snap and, Milton was so smart to run back, get it, identify where he is in the field and chuck it out of bounds. Like little senior moments like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just, I, I, he's even worth it for that alone. And for you to not trust him in a big game, like Milton has won so many big games. He's won a new year's six bowl. He's won a conference championship. He's won a college game day game. Like how are you going to have him hand off the ball? And he's finished top 10 in the Heisman voting twice, twice. I mean, twice. It, I think that as the season goes on, assuming he stays healthy, he'll become a bigger and bigger part of things. And I honestly, after how FSU looked, like I think Milton could actually help them like really win some games. They they do not have a bad defense. Their defense no, looked a lot. No, better. no, I don't remember. Shoot, I don't remember his name. Number eleven on their defense. I was like, I, throughout the whole first like three quarters until Milton came in, I was just like frustrated with the offense. But then watching FSU's defense, watching number eleven, that guy is a beast. So yeah, I mean, I think Florida State could be a solid team. They. they arguably not even arguably they should have won that game they should absolutely should and have. I, I mean they really absolutely should have 
it's yeah. I mean, it was it was just amazing to see him come out on the field, look the way he did, and for so much. I mean, obviously, like everybody in UCS fan base knows Mackenzie Milton, knows of him, but then just to see, like, of course, my phone was dead during the game, but to get on Twitter the next day and look up Mackenzie's name and just see like a bunch of just like it's just mainstream, like the fact that his comeback story, like everybody knows it now. It's and one like, of the, I mean, it's one of the greatest things in college sports ever. I mean, he yeah. almost, he almost lost his leg. Yeah. Now he's playing football. They told, they told me they weren't even sure he was going to walk again. And now he's out playing almost, almost beating number nine, Notre Dame in his first game in front of the FSU fans. Like, and I'm going to be totally honest atmosphere. with you. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I like, well, it's a great atmosphere, but it was not the best student section in a week. The talk about Moss student section of the week was UCF. Thanks again to UCF fans for bringing the party at two in the morning. Taco Bell, when you hear your family. That's not it. That's Olive Garden. But I don't know what Taco Bell is. I don't know what Taco Bell is. It sounded like we're sponsored by Taco Bell, but we're not. Does Taco Bell have a slogan? No, for yet. It's just Live Moss. Is it Live Moss? Okay. I think so. They used to have a dog in their commercials. That's all I know. Um, Taco Bell is very good, though. Quick tangent. Taco Bell dropped a chicken sandwich. We're, we're not sponsored by Taco Bell, for the record, but UCF <laughs> student section is this week, so that's why I'm making fun of it. Um, yeah. They dropped a chicken sandwich, and I was like, that's so stupid, and I tried it, and it's so good. Is it really? Because we were talking it about that in my so house good. last night. We were talking about that, and we're like, that's just, why, like, why would they even do that? Like, no, not, it is. No, not I, I got it as chicken. a joke. Like, it's so good, man. You should try it. It's got that Chipotle <laughs> sauce on it, too. Buddy, it was like, it was top. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to it. I'm going to try it now. It was better. Chick- McDonald's chicken sandwich was a massive disappointment. Um, I think the Popeye sandwich is overrated personally. It's good. It's just overrated. Chick-fil-A is obviously still king. Um, Burger King dropped one and it was like vomit worthy. Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell's right up there. I tried wow. Taco Bell. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to try it now. I like um, how, so this, on this, like, on the outline for today's podcast, dear listeners, I've set aside like five to ten minutes for us just to talk about college football week one, just stuff that happened around. We spent like all of that time talking about Kenzie Milton and now he finished it with Taco Bell. Like, was that, I don't even really know <laughs> if there's anything that you else you want to talk about from, cause like, I, yeah. Can I say, can I say a couple yeah. more things? Yeah. Okay. Uh, speed round, speed round. I'm gonna give you three speed rounds. Um, Tulane is really good at football. Michael yep. Pratt's a baller. Um, people are is acting that like that was Oklahoma two? choking. That was not, that, this is all one. Uh, okay. When I said speed round, I really meant I'm just going to give you three thoughts in real time. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to go fast. Uh, Oklahoma, that wasn't like a down game for Oklahoma. Tulane's just really good. I think they're going to be a problem um thought number two the AAC sucks this year uh thought number three um like I'm a little and when I say a little a lot worried for the Louisville game um you're giving me a weird look I know Louisville looked really bad quarterback and I know it's a different staff now it's just the type of quarterback that historically UCF can't deal with um and that issue has transcended staffs now so I don't know if I trust the staff for it to be any different but they're yeah no I'm not so not worried (laughs) okay their defense I don't know man they just I don't know. I'm not. I'm I, I just, the problem is like UCF's like UCF was able to shut Boise down because the D line just got to the point that Hank Bachmeyer couldn't do anything like a mobile quarter. I mean, the D, having an elite D line is still a big deal, but having a mobile quarterback negates some of that. And with yeah. how UCF secondary performed, if you combine a guy that when the pocket collapses, he can just scramble to the right or wherever and then find a guy downfield, which he will against this secondary, then I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried at the same time. I think UCF's going to score like 50 on them. So we'll see. Yeah, that's but, where I'm not really that worried. I think UCF could win that game. They could score 45 points and give up, I don't know, 24, 28, but it's still – I literally be. said the night of, if I had to drop a score prediction right now, I'm going to predict like 45 to 31 UCF. See, I don't even know if it's that close. Um, what, You are – okay, whatever. Well, that's I don't know. I don't think That's for next week's podcast. Um, for, this, for the end of this week's podcast, we've got a little bit of a, of a game preview for UCF and Bethune-Cookman. Just going to basically go through uh, our, our three predictions each like we did for the Boise State game. I don't remember our records on those. I think I got one right. I don't remember yours. You try to say I went the last 0 for podcast. 3, but I basically said I went 3-0, and 0, which was a lie. But okay. Well, I got I I only one I got. The only one I got was UCF winning a close game. So um, that's where we are now. But we'll, uh, we've got three quick predictions, and then we'll do a score prediction for um, the UCF Bethune-Cookman game, 630 on Saturday night uh, at the bounce house. Should be a, a good crowd. As long as there's no, I'm expecting it. I, I think hour, 45 minute lightning delay. Yeah, I think if it were not for the three hour lightning delay, last week's crowd probably would have been a sellout. So I'm thinking I'm expecting a good crowd. Yeah, should be should be a good one. But uh, why don't you hit me with your first prediction for that game? Um, for those of you who don't know, this is not a prediction, but I'll give you a prediction. Um, Bethune Cookman and UCF were rivals for a long time. I don't know how common knowledge that is at this point. Like way back in the day, like the D2 FCS days, that was a rivalry game. Just want to think about um, how far UCF has come. 
Um, my first prediction is a prediction from last week, and I'm just going to keep predicting it until it happens. I predict that Dylan Gabriel is going to record a rushing touchdown. <laughs> okay. I predicted it last week, and I'm really pissed it didn't happen, especially because there were a couple times where I thought it was going to. Yeah. So I'm just assuming it's going to happen. Well, there's, there was a time that it should have happened. Instead yes, of him, was. instead of him throwing that pick six on the first drive, and that's why went, I gave myself yeah. uh, that that was a win last week because I just said, well, I mean, yeah. I, it should have happened. So, but yeah, that's my first one. <laughs> so you're just gonna keep keep picking <laughs> it until. So if he gets one on Saturday, you're not going. To, you're not going to again next week. Maybe this still... will be like you know every week in the UCF game notes. The first thing is like oh, a my UCF God, yeah. win would be bad loss. That'll be mine. Is every week just Dylan Gabriel record a rushing touchdown? Yeah. Well, UCF. speaking of things happening again, my first prediction. So we know last last week against Boise State. True freshman, Titus Mokio Atimilala caught his first career touchdown pass. He's going to catch another one this weekend. Yeah. That's my, first, that's my first prediction. He's getting his second touchdown catch this weekend. Can I – Can I I have a prediction that lines up with this one, but I want to amend it slightly to sort of marry our predictions here. Sure, why not? So my second prediction was Mikey Keene will throw a touchdown pass. Oh, is he going to throw it to Titus? I'm going to say he's going to throw it to Titus. That's my Ooh, prediction. I like that. Yeah. I like that. You know, I almost went with a Keene prediction, but I decided it was – it might have been a little too bold, so I didn't do it. You For the record, what, I yes, go ahead, go ahead. You want to hear what it was? So remember when uh, Dylan Gabriel debuted against FAMU back in 2019? Three, three touchdown in, passes and threw game. three touchdowns in that game. My um, first, my prediction was going to be that he was going to come in and match that. No, first it was going to be he's going to come in and beat that, but then it was oh going to be God. no, he's going to come in and match that. But even I can't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how Gus is going to coach this game once it gets late. I don't know if. He's so, going to get the chance to throw the ball that I looked times. up at Gus, how Gus play, how Gus game yeah. plans against FCS teams. Um, I like he lets, he lets the backups throw. I mean, okay. I, I looked at their last FCS game in 2019, three different quarterbacks through passes. So okay, I think Keen will get a shot. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know if he'll throw for three touchdowns though in, in like the second half. I think I'm, also curious, I'm also curious to see like how long Gus sticks with Dylan Gabriel. Like, does he I'm play? assuming the starters will play to the half and then come so. out. I mean, we don't know. Who knows? Maybe Bethune Cook is really good and it'll be a game. Um, <laughs> they did. Uh, they narrowly lost to who was it? UTEP, I think. Is losing by ten narrowly losing now? Sure. It was closer also, than I thought. It was. Also, UTEP. It was close. It's or still UTSA. Was, was it oh, UTSA was it? or was it UTEP? I don't know. Those are the same team, so it doesn't matter. Um, I can't be asked. I don't know. Um, Wait, did I give my second one? No, I haven't. Yeah, given my we both one. gave our second ones. No, 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 no you gave your first one. I yeah, gave yes, what would have been my okay. Right. So the my next two, my next two are centered on UCS defense. I was gonna do this one for the Boise State game. I'm glad I didn't. We talked about it last week. I and you're gonna do this one. UCS gonna record five sacks. Or more. I believe it. I or believe more. it. They had zero last week, so I'm glad I didn't do it. But there was they should have had. I don't know. Do they, they have, have no had, sacks last week? On the stat sheet, it said they had zero sacks. They had a bunch of tackles for loss, and they had like eight or nine. Wow, but that's I don't think they actually had a sack. But yeah, I'm, I've got five or more sacks this week against Bethune Cookman. Nice, big cat. Like big cat will literally just eat in the first half. Yeah, I don't really know what like Bethune Cookman's O line is supposed to do. You talked like, last like, week. Like, I, don't, talk I don't know what in the post game about how like, he's just going to dominate the AAC. Like, what is he going to do to Bethune Cookman? Bad things. Yeah, like, it's not gonna I, be, I, it's it might not be fun for their. Speaking tackles. of which, my final prediction. I believe that UCF is going to record its first shutouts since the 2019 season. Oh, since that FAMU game, right? Yep, that's right. Interesting. Um, I could be totally wrong here, and this is an easy one to get wrong because who knows, especially once like the backups are in, but I just I just assume this is going to be a very, very simple, easy, straightforward game for UCF, more of a tune-up than anything else. That's an interesting one for sure. Um, I didn't go that bold, but we'll talk about our score predictions in a minute. Other one on my on the defense, my third and final prediction for the game, UCF forces four turnovers or more. But I'm going with four. They got they had that one feels ambitious. They had one last week was the pick by Dylan Lester uh, late in the game. I don't know. I think that I think the that defensive line. I think the defensive line creates enough pressure. I think I don't think Bethune's going to be able to really handle playing at UCF. Um, I don't know. I just I think this defense is is. I mean, it was tough to to open the season with Boise State, and then I and think, that's why we talked about it at length on our last podcast. That's why I also feel like I still just don't really know how good this team is because opening against a really good. Team. Yeah, but I don't know. I th- I think I think the defense could have a huge day, and honestly, if if you're predicting a shutout, like why not? 
Sorry, I got distracted. There's a light behind me on my screen. It was distracting oh, me. I was like, what are you looking uh, at? Like, why are you giving me this look? No, I just, sorry. I just, my screen looks weird because this light's like yeah. overblowing my screen. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, like I said, shutout could be wrong, but UCF has shut out an FCS team, I think three times in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, three times in the last four games against FCS teams. Because what, they beat SC State 38 to nothing in 2016. And, tw- uh, and 2018. And 2018. Uh, they, they shut Still out. Still weird that that was the same score. With, with remarkably different teams that will never, yeah. never not make sense to me. And then the only one that wasn't a shutout was Austin P, which they won in the, one of the weirdest games ever, seventy three to thirty three. That was yeah, that was just a ridiculous. So game. I don't think it's that out there because, like I said, the majority of the time they play FCS teams, yeah. the FCS team does not score. All right, so we know what your prediction is for how many points Bethune's Cookman will score, but what's uh, your score prediction? My score prediction is thirty eight to nothing. Are you kidding me? I just it's happened twice. So I figured, what the hell? Let's go for it again. All right. Well, mine is a. Uh, UCF 52, Bethune Cookman 7. Oh, I forgot to tell you a caveat on mine. 52 said, yeah, yours is probably more likely. Okay. Um, a caveat on mine is that it should have been 41 to nothing, but Obarski going to miss a kick in the first half. Oh my gosh. So we sorry, uh we didn't word. have we didn't have any field goal attempts last week. Nope. Week and it should be that way every game. Let's and there wasn't really an year. opportunity for them too, I don't think either. Like, I don't really think there was no, there really like, wasn't. There was no situation where it was yeah. even like a decision. Kind of it was just kind of a really weird game, but one that I definitely one. still want to go back and rewatch a lot of before Saturday. I've um, done that twice. Twice. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, no, I was gonna say I'll skip through the first half, but I do kind of want to see what went wrong in the first half. I'll probably just watch the whole. No, game. I watched all of it. And honestly, like I, I, I said this to you, I didn't realize, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to like put a UCF player on blast or anything, but we're just doing an analysis here. And I didn't realize in real time how not good Bryson Armstrong was at points in that game. Yeah, and that showed up a lot more on the replay to me. Yeah, I do. That's I think because you mentioned that to me yesterday, and I do want to kind of go back and see what exactly went wrong. But eh, first game, it's whatever. It's a free, it's step first up, game. Step up to a new level. We'll see. If it, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it'll improve. He's got it. Plus, once you come back from 21 and 0 against a really good team and win, you're just gonna feel like you can do anything, and that's gonna change how they play this year, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think it'll be. I think that that game is gonna be huge for for self belief. But that's uh that's it for our brief Bethune Cookman preview. Um. We're going to go ahead and jump into some quick football news. Um, actually, this this happened. We, we didn't really reference this because I think by the end of, like, however many hours we spent at the bounce house on Thursday night, I kind of just forgot this, this was announced. But um, Our Time UCF Football is going to be a show that's premiering on Thursday on ESPN+. It's going to be a weekly show. Essentially, it seems like it's just hard knocks, but, like, centered around UCF, which... Yeah, episodes are going to be about a half hour, apparently. I'm going to watch this, like, so hard. <laughs> like i don't know how that doesn't make any sense but like no I, I get it it's, like, i'm very excited for it oh yeah i can't wait and like it's tomorrow like do you think ucf does this if they know they're getting into the big 12 because i feel like this was like a big 12 audition and now they're already getting in i don't know who because that was weird because they've, they've done this on two other teams in the past and i blanking on who they were wasn't one of them kansas it was kansas and oklahoma state oh, oh was it really yeah oh they've well, done then. not they've done exclusively big 12 teams in the first three seasons of this show <laughs> Love to see that. Um, Kalia Davis was named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week after his performance against Boise State. Not really too surprised. He had in his first loss, game since 2019. He's yeah. Defensive Player of the Week. That's Just awesome. Dominated up front. Uh, another dominating performance uh, was Isaiah Bowser. He earned a spot on the AAC's weekly honor roll. Feels like he, you know, could have had a shot at winning AAC Offensive Player of the Week if it weren't for was SMU's quarterback one, and I think he threw like seven touchdowns against. Yeah, I was gonna be mad, and then I'm like, well, seven touchdowns is a lot. So. Even against, they played, they played an FCS, but even still, it's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, this surprised me. I don't know. This might have just only been me, but you can tell me how you feel. Traymond Morris Brash was not on the depth chart last week when it was released. Did not play in the game, and um, it came out that off-field incident. I just kind of assumed, I think, that he was off the team, but I guess yeah, not. we all did. No, this okay. was a surprise. Okay. Was, okay. Gus, Gus Malzahn yeah. basically said we're week to week. Yeah, he said he will not be often? he will not be with the team uh, on Saturday against Bethune Cookman, but he said he'll just basically update weekly, and we'll, he said, "quote We'll see where that thing goes." So I was surprised by that. I thought he yeah, was, I was too. I found that very surprising. I thought he was done, but know. if he can get back on the field, the defensive line is going to be even more insane. Um, honestly, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll I, I don't know. I don't want to get like into that on this, so we'll just see what happens. Yeah. And I guess, I guess once that's settled, we'll talk about. Yeah, what we think of that. We'll see. Um, George O'Leary delivered what was perhaps the UCF quote of the year so far. I feel like it has to be. 
Um, like the UCF quarter of the decade. Yeah, he was asked about USF getting left behind as UCF jumps into the Big 12. And he said something along the lines of, well, they're finding out that in life you get what you deserve. <laughs> and just so brutal. Just ice cold from George O'Leary. You love <laughs> just literally great. O'Leary from the top rope. I it mean, really that, I, what, what, what are you even supposed to say that? I, I just <laughs> he killed him. Yeah, I mean, and it's just it's not like it's an unwarranted comment too. Like obviously he was in the middle of of USF, you know, doing what they did to block UCF from getting into the Big East. So like, he's got reason to be able to just kind of dance on their graves at this point. Because yeah, O'Leary was the coach. O'Leary was the coach throughout that. He was the coach. Yeah, who, coach UCF as UCF's getting blocked. He was the coach who lost to USF multiple times, then came back and started beating USF. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think that was I think that stuff. That animosity was very personal yeah. for George O'Leary, and I think Definitely. he's free to talk on it now. Definitely. And uh, finally, for football and football news, UCF received 61 votes in the AP poll this week, which is the equivalent to about 28th. They jumped up from like five votes, right? I think they had five in the initial AP yeah, poll. They, five, they went from five to 61. So feels like if they win this week like they should in and, and, and convincing fashion like they should, very possible they could be in the top 25 next week. My which is prediction, crazy to me. Yeah, my, my prediction was more still that it might take beating Bethune pretty badly and then also beating Louisville on the road and that being at three and Oh, getting into the top 25, but we'll see, we'll see where that goes. It Here's another be... way I differ from UCF fans. I would prefer UCF not get ranked this coming week. I just don't like going on the road to Louisville ranked. I don't want Louisville uh, to have that. I extra, that. Like we're hosting a ranked team motivation, you know, I'd rather it yeah. just be, you know, not. I think that. just because you said that, I think that's going to happen now they're going to get ranked. And then we'll just, celebrate just, it. It'll be great. But... Yeah. Like just, but just to be like, just to give everyone a little bit more of like that feeling in their gut that's kind of like, ooh, I don't know about this. Like UCF going on the road to play Pitt in 2019. Um, yeah. And you yeah. know what? I I was just not even close to worried for that game. Like oh, I no. had no reason to believe that was going to be anything but a blowout. So I've like, why, why would you, honestly? Yeah. Um, three more notable things from around the kingdom. Elsewhere in UCF sports, um, we'll just kind of combine this into one. Some uh, updates from the soccer programs. Men's soccer, as Christian alluded to earlier, off to a one and three start. Uh, they won against UNF in their second game, but they have losses to FIU, number 10, Virginia Tech, and NC State, who I think was receiving top 25 votes. So that's just... I have, I have to say something. Yeah. I have to say something. <clears throat> UCF men's soccer 2021-2022 is the biggest disappointment in UCF athletics in at least the past decade. The magic words. So they're going to win I've the rest said of it. their games. It worked last year. I said that last year. Didn't lose again after I said it. So I... It's back on you, men's soccer. I've done my part. Now you have to do yours. <laughs> do your part. Uh, women's soccer doing better. They're they're three and two, in which you like on the surface, you're like, oh, three and two is not that great. But like we've talked about how brutal their schedule is. Uh, so they opened up with win a win over Texas at home, and they beat Florida on the road. Uh, and they lost games to LSU and Ohio State. The Ohio State one on the road, and they came back home. That was a home game, right? They beat number seven yep. Penn State on uh, Sunday. And so now they are up to number 17 in the polls this week uh, at three and two. And Kristen Scott was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week. She scored t- two goals in the, the win over number seven, Penn State. So it's funny how, like, last year was such a down year for women's soccer. And, like, they're already back to the point where I'm like, I'm expecting them to just, like, win these big games. And I'm like, this is going to be a, yeah, a big Yeah, man. Um, Very good program. Volleyball, their, their record is two and four currently. Hasn't been the hottest start for them. They've won matches over St. John's and Clemson. We were at the St. John's game. So sure were. You're, you're welcome for that. Uh, and they've their losses were to number 24 at the time, Georgia Tech, number 12, Penn State. And then this past weekend, they lost twice to number 24, South Carolina. So like you kind of mentioned earlier, it's just like it seems like they just have run through the conference in the last few years. And then they, they play the tougher matches against non-conference opponents and things get a little more shaky, which not the best pattern. But there. Yeah, it's it, it's weird. I don't know how to. It, it, I don't know. I, I don't need to get into right now, yeah. but I just, I mean, I, it, upcoming... it's very, it, it makes for very frustrating seasons when you put up these really good records, but then just can't do anything with it. And it yeah. feels like they're in for another one of those type of years. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, this upcoming weekend, I think they play Florida state and they've got some, some tougher non-conference games still before they get into conference play. Um, the other, the other final piece of news here, UCF athletics hall of fame class of 2021 was announced headlined by Blake Bortles, the boat, uh, Josh Sitton from the football team as well. Uh, Natalie Land from the softball team, Afia Charles from the track and field team, and Jermaine Taylor from the men's basketball team. So that's quite the class. It is. No, it's a really good class. I mean, Blake Bortles, um, I still think you can make a case he's the best player in UCF history. I don't necessarily agree with it anymore, but it's absolutely a case to be made. Lots of really solid mm-hmm. class all around. Probably, is this like their best? 
I'd have to look back at the other Hall of Fame classes because this is a good one. Yeah, it's a really, really good one. And it's, I think, seeing Blake Bortles in it and I don't know, I think just we'll see now in, in the coming years, we'll start to see some more names. This might just be more names that are like really, really recognizable and really like more recent because. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Bortles played until 2014. So it was what, seven years 2013. ago. 2013. 2013. You're right. 2013. I don't know why I looped him in. I wish he would have come back for 2014. Um, but yeah, I think we'll start to see some some more of those names. And man, can't wait till what twenty? What year? What year does Mackenzie Milton go into the UCF Hall of Fame? It should be now. Yeah, the second, the second the second he hangs it up. <laughs> honestly, yeah, I, I would not. I don't even really know what the the criteria is, and if you have to be certain years removed, no idea. But really good class this year. Really, really uh, cool to see all of them getting in. Um, that's it for us. We're, we'll be back. We're not doing a post game. Uh, midnight edition this week um after midnight edition this week after the thune cookman game but we will be back next week with episode 35 we'll talk a little bit about the thune game and christian you have something to say i do have something to say a couple things one i think we are going to do a late night after global yes um, because we are going to be at the game so that'll be fun uh second i big news for the podcast uh uniform of the week will be returning next week enough teams are playing now that i feel i can do with that Massive news. Um, this is news to me. I didn't even know this. I, I know. It's it's big news. Also, look out for, if you're listening to this on Thursday, look out for uh, the Drip U report to True. read about what UCF is wearing for the Batum Cooking game. Already cannot wait. Um, like I said, we'll be back next week with episode 35, which will feature the return of Uniform of the Week. We'll talk some of the Bethune-Cookman game. We'll preview Louisville. Maybe some, some more celebration about the Big 12 stuff once that gets finalized. Uh, but until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now once again we will talk to you next week bye everybody